0: Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast, in association with Huddle. I'm Josh Schneider Weiler, and for this episode, I went to the St. Pancras Renaissance Hotel in London to speak with Gerard Houllier. The former Liverpool manager told me about changing the culture at Anfield, leaving a legacy, and what he thinks about Jurgen Klopp and his current side. Gerard, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Well. Obviously, yesterday was the League Cup final. Did that bring back memories of your time when you were at Liverpool? You won two League Cup finals yourself.
1: Yes, I was invited by uh, the chairman, Mr. Rick Parry, because Rick was the CEO of Liverpool at that time. And uh, he sent me an invitation saying that his first trophy with uh, Liverpool was with me and uh, his first trophy he would deliver today as a chairman. He would like me to be uh, next to him, and that was very nice of him. And uh, so I responded positively to the invitation, and it came.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it's very nice to be back, you know, mm. in London, and to see a lot of familiar faces as well.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see people that, you know, you've come across during your
0: time here in, uh, in England. Yeah, well, I want to travel back in time a little bit mm. to when you were the Liverpool manager. You were the first, you know, foreign manager and mm. first manager that wasn't, you know, from the boot room. I didn't realise at the time, but I think uh, afterwards
1: I realised that it, it must have been a shock because, um, I mean, you had Shankly, who was the, practically the main father figure of uh, Liverpool's coaching. Shankly left uh, Paisley's assistant took over then Paisley left it was Fagan after Fagan it was Kenny Daglish then you had uh, Graham Souness then you had uh, Roy Evans so and then Gerard Hullier so I mean this is as you said uh, sort of a break in the bootroom tradition that you know it's normally the assistant that becomes the manager or somebody from the Liverpool family and uh, first of all I was the first foreign coach in Liverpool And second, I came after, as I said, a long tradition of uh, uh, local coaches. And in fact, I had, you know, I I was also given the Gerard Who, you know, (laughs) W-H-O, question mark. The good thing is that during the press conference, the first press conference, uh, somebody asked me about, you know, what I knew about Liverpool. uh, Have you been to a game? I said, yes. In uh, 1969, I came to a game and I watched a game uh, from the cop, and uh, so I saw half of the game because with the cop at the time it was, you know, they were standing and it was swaying all the time, <laughs> and um, I could tell, you know, which team we uh, Liverpool played that European night, and that's I was with a friend who was, by the way, my assistant, and uh, we we were students at the time and we just watched the game and i could tell the, the names of the uh, Wh- of the goal scoring you know
0: who was it what was the game it was
1: liverpool against ten dark ah and liverpool won 10-0 in the uefa <laughs> cup
0: oh wow what a game to go to 10-0 i i, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that must have been like to watch uh, at the cop that was that's quite special mm-hmm. um so did that kind of ignite your so feelings? suddenly
1: i was one of them yeah, you know it was different. I mean, they considered me as a, I mean, somebody who's been in the cup before, coming to to the game, to coming to to Liverpool. I mean, years after because I mean,
0: that was thirty years later. <laughs> what did it feel like to to sit in the or to stand in the cup at the time? At the time, it's not sitting; it's standing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, the sitting came afterwards, but uh, it was good atmosphere. I mean, I like that. I mean when you're young you don't mind being shuffled a bit and mm-hmm. so but it was a good of sing a lot of singing and um, encouragement to the team. Yeah, so you knew that well. You when could feel right from the start, I mean from that experience that Liverpool was special in terms of uh supporters support, really. It mm-hmm. was uh it was something special. And the song of course You'll never walk alone and so on.
0: And so, when you became manager, did you yeah. feel that same support? And we talked yeah. about that you were, you yes. know, kind of the first foreign manager. Yeah, the
1: the, um, the Liverpool crowd, the Liverpool people, come to, they they like to encourage their team, and very seldom, you know, they will be critical of the of the players and so on. You know, it's usually a, a good supporting, encouraging
0: team. So when you came into the club, you know. In the 1990s, Liverpool were kind of known for having the Spice Boys and having a quite traditional club. Mm. You know, What did you try to do to change the club a little bit when you arrived?
1: Well, I think it was a shock also for the players to have a, a foreign manager because the, the training routine was not the same. Um, maybe the, um, the discipline was not the same. So, I mean, uh, to be a professional player is a, is a job and to do the job right and to deliver on the on the weekend you obviously need to have a special preparation not only the 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 technical tactical preparation but also uh, in terms of uh, your body, in terms of uh, your diet and everything so we had uh, I say we because we did that together and and Phil Thompson was my assistant and he was we would also buy into our ideas. So we had the, um, I would say, the determination to make the players improve and to make the players progress. You need to have a certain type of preparation. But we didn't do a sort of a revolution. I know the French like revolution, but I hate <laughs> that. We, we we went gradually into it and we had a, a small evolution. Maybe sometime it it had to go with the probably uh, to get new players in and uh, get rid of some old players. Um, but I mean, uh, I mean, I must say that you know we did it smoothly, but efficiently. But now, I mean, what we did is we were probably pioneer in the in that level because uh, now all clubs have one or two nutritionists, one or two. Uh, Specialist for the um, for the stretching and so on. So yeah, we did something different. Uh you mentioned We initiated something, you know, in fact it was a I think it was a practically a turning point, maybe, for Liverpool. Um uh, we I mean the the best compliment I had from the chairman David Moore at the time, he said you put the club into the twenty first century, Gerard. That's why.
0: It sounds like you felt like it was really needed at the club, that yeah. it was falling behind a little bit.
1: We had a different type of preparation in terms of training and so on. I mean, it was not just for a side game. So. But now, of course, um, every, every coach would do that you know, naturally. Maybe it was uh, in 1998, it was something special, something different. But a lot of players uh, soon realized that they were improving. They were better and the game and so on what you want is to to get I mean the one of the targets of a manager is one is to win trophy and uh, and to respond to the expectation of your fans two is to make your players progress and uh, through that to leave uh, um, you know by your style of management by your way of talking, by your way of leading the, the whole thing with your vision is maybe to, uh, uh, I would say, to make the club and the players improve. And the third thing, of course, is uh, probably uh, as important is uh, to leave a legacy. That means when I left, the team won the Champions League the, the year after. With practically 12 players out of 14 were players that were either signed or, you know, developed by me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pleased to say that when I left, the club was still in good shape and they were fourth in the... So that means they could play the Champions League. It's not as if, you know, you everything goes when you, when you go. So it's, it, it, I mean, that type of legacy, I mean, some players improve. Michael Owen got a Ballon d'Or. A lot of players, you know, played for the national team. Whether it's Steven Gerard, Danny Murphy, uh, Emil Leske, and so forth, so uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that you know our contribution, uh, although it was a bit of a shock for them at the beginning, paid off.
0: You know, it seems like you know the, a lot of the credit that Rafa Benitez deservedly gets. You know, some of that comes from you and the foundations that you laid and your time at the club. No, don't take anything away from Rafa and uh,
1: and don't take any credit away from them. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Yeah. All I can say is that somebody asked me, what was your contribution? I said, there's four things. One, now the pattern had been broken. It's, is it, it, a not, is the second foreign coach. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Klopp is a foreign as well, but I mean, the first one was me. <laughs> it was yeah. not obvious I would say the second thing is the team you know was better uh, with better players proof of that is as I said they managed to win the, Champions League. You win the Champions League because you've got a better side so I think you know as compared to when I came the team was better it was the pattern of the coach had been broken the third thing is that the new habits have been put in. Uh, it was more professional, more, I would say, continental-wise, and uh, for him it was easier. And he told me one day, and the fourth thing is a team finished in, uh, in the Champions League spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Otherwise, you don't win the Champions League if you don't in the Champions League spot. So he said, my contribution was only that. I mean, we finished at a place which allowed the club to play the Champions League.
0: You know, you talk about how you made a lot of changes at the club. Did you experience any resistance to those changes from any of the players or any of the coaches?
1: Yeah, of course. Some, some I mean, usually with old players, you have that sort of resistance because all, I mean, to change it, it, it's uh, it's always a, a difficult experience because it can destabilize. It can. Uh, you know, bring in concern in the players, particularly old players. Uh, we've done that way all the time, and it worked. And so, why sh- shouldn't we stay like that? I mean, it's um, if you look at around you. I mean, the the cars have changed, the uh, the technology have changed. Me in front of this microphone, everything mm-hmm. has changed. So, and, and sometimes you need to go and progress and go forward. And in that, I mean. There was no uh, performance analyst before. Now there are one or two in each club. So <clears throat> we had to do that by ourselves, but it was, it was a different approach. You know what I mean? And it's obvious that some old players would regard that as useless or you know, not necessary. But the majority of the players that were even English, particularly the English, I would say, were young and wanted to have a, a good career trusted me probably in some way, and uh, and they went along with me in, in that evolution.
0: Yeah, one of the people you may be talking about is Jamie Carragher. Mm-hmm. He, just on his podcast, was speaking with Michael Owen. Of mm-hmm. course, both of them were quite young at the time, and they both had really nice things to say about you. Jamie Carragher specifically said that you changed him as a player. Uh, can you talk about your relationship with him?
1: Well, I had a... Um, I like Kara because good, good sense of humor. he <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, it, w- it was really funny, and uh, he was uh, always lively in the changing room and so on. So uh, I like him a lot. But I mean, like all the players, I mean, you're a manager. You like all your players. The the only thing is probably Kara. I mean, soon enough, understood that um, the body of a professional player is like the. Uh, sports racing car Formula 1 racing car so if you put the wrong type of uh, petrol in it uh, you're not sure to win the race and if you don't look after the wheels or the body of the car and so on in the same way you know maybe at some stage you pay for it so I think the good thing about um, uh, Jamie quickly understood but I could You know, I could demonstrate to him what happened to those who had a lot of drinking during their early years as a professional. Usually, get a lot of pick up a lot of injury at the age of 26, 27, 28. Because when you're young, you can play and you know have a party or you know maybe have a drink or a session. But when you're when you're a bit older. You know, you can't repeat that sort of a life. So I explained that, in fact, he has to live for his job for, for 10 years. You live for your job. I mean, you you use your job to live, you, you to get some money, go on holiday and so on. We can't do that when we're a professional player because we have to focus. Once you understand that you have to focus and that you devote your time, your energy, your recuperation, your sleep, everything for the job. In fact, you live for the job. It's different than living from the job. And when you do that for 10 years, usually you have a successful career and you, it lasts longer. And in fact, Kara, his career lasted maybe, uh, maybe uh, probably more than what he thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had one of the longest careers in uh, Liverpool history. <laughs> Do you think that the impact you had on him um, was noticeable to other players? Obviously, you know... No, he I don't wasn't... think so. Okay. No, I don't
1: think so. I think you, you try to have an impact on every player mm. in a different way. I mean, I'm pleased to see that. For instance, Danny Murphy is a good example. He had talent and intelligence. Once he decided he would focus and do the job properly, he was a different player. And he went even to the national team. So Danny had a good career. You, you as a manager, by your style, by your way, of, by your thoughts, or by your beliefs as well, you need to convince your player, not to impose, but to convince your player of the right things to do and what will be good for them and what will make them progress. Not only off the pitch, but also on the pitch. Uh, in terms of sometimes repetition or sometimes you know different, you, you you try at training for instance to be focused, and you try to be better today than to yesterday. Yeah. That's very important. You know, you try to maybe improve every day. That's how you become, you reach excellence and you reach good results. Michael Owen was a ballon d'or. Not many English players have got a ballon d'or.
0: No, Mm -hmm. No. Um, I don't think any since him. um, Since then, no, nobody. Yeah, You know, you're talking about... I think
1: at the time he didn't realize what uh, a huge uh, reward it was for him. Why do you think that is? I don't know, because England is (laughs) an (laughs) island. I don't know. Now it's worldwide, now the media is different. Well, it's interesting, you know, you're talking about... But I'm proud that he won it. Really, yeah. I'm very proud of what we wanted. I mean, I'm proud to see that some players, even if they didn't stay with us all the time, you know, they, they went to other clubs and continued to thrive, yeah.
0: You know, you're talking about kind of the art of managing. Jamie Carragher you know, said that you were a manager, whereas Rafa Benitez was more of a coach. How did you try to convince, as you said, you know, players of your methods
1: uh, you said you used a right word, convince. I mean, uh, in modern coaching, in modern management, you need to have, to be able to convince, not to impose, not to, uh, to dictate. You do that by examples, you do that by your style of uh, yourself, and you do that because you can easily prove that it pays off, you know, that it's, you get the benefits of that very quickly.
0: So you needed the evidence to show that it yeah, worked? Yeah, so and that we they won a would... trophy, yeah. and you win. So if you win, that means you know,
1: it's easier. If you, if you try to convince the player, but you never win a game, <laughs> <laughs> you don't last long anyway, but <laughs> you, and the, the, the players could see that we were training in a different way, for instance, and that we were better on the field. I mean, the one season, I think we scored 113 goals or 14 goals. So, so it's um, you could see the benefit of that. That's important. Um, we needed a defence. We changed the defence. I mean, the players were there. I think that one season we were the best record in, in defending. So, uh, And it's very important, as I said, to, I would say, demonstrate... To explain, one of the key word in modern management is you have to be able to say why. That's important. Why? You don't, n- nobody, no young person accept something which is just given to them without do this and don't, dis- don't argue, do this and don't discuss. No, that's finished now. It yeah, used ha- to be 50 years ago.
0: Yeah, you can't just dictate, as you no. said. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that. You gave Steven Gerrard his debut at Liverpool. Can you talk about how you tried to develop him?
1: We did it gradually. I think uh, we did well because, uh, first of all, I discovered him by mere accident. You know, I was going to a game to look at somebody else. He was 17. It was the under-19. He was just helping out. And um, he was running from one box to another and... And I liked him, and I, I told him, you know, the following day, you come with us to train with a pro, and he was put back and said, no. I said, well, who is the boss? I said, you are. I said, okay. <laughs> so you got me. Came, but the first year, people don't seem to remember. He played only twelve or thirteen games. The second year, maybe twenty-five or thirty, which means the top it's only the th- third year with us with the f- first team that he played the 50 games that's the year that we won everything but he took part in that and Stevie we I would say we had to be careful because he had groin problems he had hamstring problems he had back problems it was adolescence you know he was growing into a man so you had to be patient and not make sure you know don't over we didn't overdo it. That's what I think. Yeah, this is one of my, um, i say say, uh, pride, uh, because I was uh, with a, one of my assistants was a PE teacher, so he knew uh, how to develop, deviate, and so on. I think one day uh, we probably we, we don't know, but we played an important part of his career. Yeah.
0: You talk about he was growing into his body, you know, he's very gangly at the beginning, mm-hmm. very skinny guy. You know, do you find that players today we don't have as really as much patience sometimes for young players today like we did when you were trying to develop Stephen Jard? I think
1: some sometimes some clubs are. But I mean the, the young are also very impatient. <laughs> don't, don't put the blame on the on the clubs. I mean, sometimes the young and their parents, the environment, they put pressure to play them, otherwise they go. I mean, uh, in Lyon at the moment, there's a very good talent, but he's 16. But he played a couple of games uh, with the first team, and uh, but only a couple because you've got to be careful. I mean, you you can't. I mean, if you play too many games at an early age, when you are in a phase of physical development of your body, uh, maybe uh, it can break, and uh, maybe you are too fragile afterwards. So. It, yeah. You've got to be careful, yeah. Started really um, with the pro at the age of 18, you know. Between mm-hmm. 16 and 18, there's a lot to to work for and to, to do, really. Um, but the, the young are very impatient now. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, in some clubs, uh, even in Salzburg, uh, club players who leave because they, they're not happy because, you know, they're young and they want to play.
0: Um, when you we coaching stevie did you think that he would be a manager one day yes really yeah
1: well i thought cargo would be a manager as well interesting but he's gone he's gone the the press way <laughs> <laughs> but um uh oh kyle was a good leader as well stevie stevie i mean i, I gave the armband to stevie at the age of 23 so it tells you everything uh, he was a natural-born leader, I would say, but also clever. You know, he thinks. He, you know, he, he's not just the uh, sort of a blind leader. He's uh, he, he analyzes. He um, he thinks, and then he, you know, then you can follow him. I think Stevie is um, will be one of the top leader. Yeah,
0: he seems like he's really good at connecting with people. Yeah. Um, and you know, young players. And I guess you mm. saw that firsthand, mm-hmm. which is why you gave him uh, the captaincy at such mm-hmm. a young age, especially at a big club like Liverpool. I think he played a part in his leadership in,
1: his, in with Liverpool. I mean, the number of trophies, right? because he leads by example. Stevie gives everything uh, in a game. I mean, he used to give his all and, uh, and contribute a lot to the success of Liverpool. Yeah.
0: You have a lot of history coaching young players. We've talked about kind of youth development. You were you coached the youth teams in France uh, mm-hmm. before you came January
1: to. Thierry Henry and. I was lucky.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, very lucky. Yeah. Do you think that your experience from being a teacher before you came into football helped you in that regard? I left teaching uh, in uh, 1982
1: when I became professional for Lens and. Uh, I mean, obviously what you do in life brings something to another life. I mean, probably um, it uh, gave me some guidelines in terms of mythology, you know, and try to understand. You have to know yourself, but you have also to know who you have to deal with. And uh, maybe... um, the way of listening to them, the way of um, helping them to solve their whole problems sometime, yeah, could be useful, yeah. Maybe teaching, uh, I was teaching also uh, uh, big boys, because they were, it's after the GCE, it's a pre-university,
0: so. What, what, uh, what subject did you teach? English. English oh very interesting that helps so this you're talking you were teaching like 16 year old 17 year old no no
1: more than that they were between uh, 19 and 20 21
0: oh wow was it did you find it difficult?
1: it's more difficult now again because the demand is different yeah but as, as a teacher particularly as a teacher at a high level you know uh, you need um, to keep update on many things Evolution is important. And how to implement a change in evolution, that's important. Maybe that helped maybe in the coaching uh, life.
0: So who's the best player that you've ever managed?
1: On a long distance, I would say Steven Gerard. Why? Because he had everything. Right foot, left foot, could defend, could attack, could pass, give assists and score goals. Great uh, strength, mental strength, uh, leadership qualities—he had everything. Uh, Quite still, fast as well. Very fast, faster than people think. I mean, uh, we have, Remember, when training, we had uh, uh, the—you know—with the cell, you know, we had to do 20 yards at full speed, and we were doing the test, and his test was as good as Michael. That's Michael so, Owen. Yeah, Michael Owen was very fast, as you know, but, so I said, well, could you do it again? And he said, well, you doubt my possibly. <laughs> 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 he thought that was, you know, questioning his, uh, his uh, ability to, to run very fast and in fact, uh, nobody, but he was very explosive, very fast, too. You know? He got everything, but,
0: and also a nice man, which is on top of everything, something brilliant. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about the modern day Liverpool. Obviously, even though they lost this past weekend, it looks like they're going to win the title.
1: I hope so, because (laughs) they deserve it even last year. Last year, they finished with 97 points, only one defeat. Hats off, huh? Yeah. Really. What do you think it will mean? I I think, first of all, Klopp made two good signings, two important key signings. With uh, Van Dijk as centre-back and also Hallison uh, the goalkeeper. I mean, they they made the difference. The team was good. Now the team is excellent.
0: Why do you think that those signings were particularly noteworthy?
1: Because they needed somebody as a sort of a leader in the defence, but somebody who can defend, who is a good defender first. And uh, no team wins a trophy without a good def- a good uh, goalkeeper. A goalkeeper makes you you know, win sometimes uh, a cup or sometimes uh, a, a league because, uh, you know, he he will win for himself maybe for, and for the team uh, between six to
0: eight points. Well, we saw it with your reign at Liverpool as well. You were the one that signed Sammy Hippia, who, of yeah. course, had such a he good career. more than
1: 10 years in Liverpool.
0: And he, you know, he kind of changed and took you guys yeah. up to another level as well.
1: I think so, yeah. Well, he won a lot of stuff with Liverpool anyway. you yeah. a good record. Huh?
0: It, it sounds like you really believe that to have a great team, you need a great centre-back and a great goalkeeper. Yeah, and then a great defensive midfield. You know, somebody who is like
1: and a very good striker. So, Liverpool have got that. They've got everything. And you need a sole good coach. A of good course. manager. Yes. And Klopp is that
0: one. He's ideal for Liverpool, I think. You clearly seem quite into uh, Jurgen Klopp. What do you think makes him so special?
1: He fits in well in the city, and I would say in the passion, the enthusiasm uh, that goes around the, the club. Yeah. We'll He's me- an expert that keeps the soul of a child, <laughs> which is very... That makes him so, uh, I would say, attractive.
0: And relatable, I imagine, to the players. Yeah, yeah. What do you think it will mean to the city... If they win the title, thirty years
1: of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> the culture of Liverpool is winning trophy, winning silverware. So at the moment, the top two uh, in terms of trophy won over their existence, I mean their life, is Manchester United and Liverpool. And I think Liverpool are level with Manchester United. So it'd be one more. And also, uh, I mean. Uh, I finished second. Benitez finished second. Brendan Rogers finished second. Uh, Jürgen Klopp finished second last year.
0: Yeah. It's about time we win it now. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, your fingerprints are even on if they win the title on this title because Sadio Mane, you discovered. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that.
1: Yeah. Part I of I bought him from, Metz French club to for Salzburg and
0: yeah. Naby Keita as well.
1: Exactly. I discovered him in a second-division team in France and um, I took him from uh, Istres, a small club that was going down, by the way, to, uh, to Salzburg as well.
0: What, what did you see specifically in Sadio Mane? Because now, you know, he's one of the top five players in the world. Funny
1: uh. enough, I discovered him. I mean, uh, the first time I saw him play was on video. No, was not on video. It was live but during the Olympic Games in London. So in 12, and in fact, I bought him six months later. But I saw it on video first, and then I went to see a game. That's how I managed to uh, get him to Salzburg, from Salzburg, Southampton, Southampton, Liverpool. He's in the right club for him now. Did you see this coming for him? Yeah, yeah, he was quick, he was fast. He had international quality. He was fast, good technique, and he could score goals and make goals, yeah. Keta was different. He was uh, more sort of a playmaker from behind. Had a good career. I mean, he had, um, so far, he had Salzburg, one trophy there, and then
0: Leipzig. So, I mean, you're still very active in the game, in discovering talents. and. I keep my foot on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and is that with... don't sleep with it, but nearly. <laughs> <laughs> and is that with Lyon or Red Bull or, or both of them? or Both of them. So you're still like watching a lot of games and yeah. out in, in France. Uh, Even
1: women's game. Oh, really
0: too? Lyon has got a
1: fantastic uh, women's team.
0: To wrap up, so do you think you'll come back uh, to Liverpool if they win the title?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, you'll come yeah. for the parade? Oh, not for the
1: parade. I mean, the parade is, you have to leave it to the players of this season, this yeah. year. But uh, I'd like to come and congratulate Jürgen because he has achieved what we couldn't achieve. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the training ground guru podcast in association with huddle. We'll be back next month with another episode. In the meantime, you can follow our latest updates on the website or on Twitter at ground underscore guru.